Well, thank you, Fred and Barb, such an integral part of our Hope Mission uh, community and outreach. Um, I know when you see John and I up here together, you immediately think, wow, I hope they're going to give us some summer fashion advice, uh, because that's usually what we get asked. But um, anyways, it's really exciting for, for me to be here with, with Pastor John today and to talk a little bit about community outreach. Today's conversation, I think, is going to be really uh, challenging, really hopeful, really encouraging. Um, and one of the things, and let me just embarrass John here for a second, um, I think John is one of the best community outreach practitioners, certainly in this part of our country, probably further, but we're so grateful for um, the wisdom and the way in which you continue to challenge us as we carry out this ministry, because my, our job is, or your job is not to go do it for us, but to help lead us so we do it well, and so we do it best, so thank you um, for that. But let's start with this. I know we throw that phrase around a lot, community outreach work. Um, and I know a number of people are, are new to our congregation, or it's been a while. Um, what exactly do we, do we mean when we talk about community outreach? Yeah, so Rob, why don't I start with a, a geography lesson? So our community outreach work mainly focuses on two neighborhoods in St. John. One is the Old North End. It's a neighborhood. You just go down the hill here and down by the river. It's basically the area framed by Main Street and Victoria Street with the cross streets in between. And then there's the Crescent Valley neighborhood, which is a public housing area, and it's basically framed by Somerset Avenue and Samuel Davis Drive. In community development circles, these are called priority neighborhoods, which means that they need additional attention and investment because for many of the people living there, Crisis and challenge is kind of just a normal everyday experience. In other words, compared to the rest of the population in other areas in the city, not as many people have finished school and gone on to get more training. And without education and training, consistent work or better paying jobs are hard to come by. And some as well are on income assistance. So money is often scarce. People have difficulty meeting the rent and putting food on the table. And then other factors come into play too. For some, mental and physical health issues are a real concern, while others come from some very difficult family situations. And also addictions of all sorts and kinds are, are somewhat common, though I really do need to caution that mental health issues, family crises, and addictions are common in educated, more well-to-do neighborhoods too. So we really do need to be careful how we frame things here. Uh, but I think you get the picture. Now, historically speaking, I should probably tell a little bit more here. So now, historically speaking, Rivercross Church has a strong connection to the old North End. Our church, when it was still called Main Street Baptist, was located in that neighborhood. And, this, uh, and so our congregation kind of had a front row seat in a place experiencing many challenges. And this led in the late 1990s to a sense of call to intentionally engage in ministry among the people who lived there. A community outre outreach pastor position was created on staff with Carl O'Donnell serving in that role for, I think, three years. And then I was called to the position in 2004. And then another big change happened in 2013 when we built this building right here, which then freed up our old building to be renovated and turned into Rivercross Mission to serve as the hub for all our community outreach work. So over the past 20 years or so, our church, with the help of a multitude of volunteers, and now through a building dedicated to the work, has grown our community outreach ministry into something that cares for people in many different ways. 
And I'm, not gonna, I'm just going to mention these quickly because you saw some of the work on slides earlier. Uh, we run weekly and monthly programs, Hope Mission, Moms on a Mission, and Life in Mission, which is an adult Bible study and prayer time. And we also run event ministries like community barbecues, like the one at 12 noon today, and summer outings, and a spa day for women connected to the mission, and trunk or treat, which has become a neighborhood uh, Halloween tradition. And then there's our Christmas outreach ministry, which we carry on in partnership with the Empty Stocking Fund and the Christmas Exchange. And it's a ministry that literally impacts hundreds of people every year. And last but certainly not least, we work closely with other like-minded individuals and organizations to tackle some of the bigger challenges in the Old North End and Crescent Valley in an effort to bring about community renewal. And by the way, these are challenges not just identified by outside observers looking in, but by the people who live there. It's in response to community expressed needs that we work closely with others to build a play park in the Old North End and to establish the North End Wellness Center to help people navigate the healthcare system and to transform the Nick Nicole Community Center into a place where everyone in the neighborhood, not just youth, can receive benefit and to create a real sense of welcome and dignity around using the food bank as people come to have their food security needs met. And by the way, we have several people in our church who volunteer at the food bank, and recently the food bank received an award for community service. That's awesome. So you can see that this is a substantial ministry that has been built over a 20-year period. And John, what I appreciate about you and the Board of Community Outreach so much is that while very intentional programming is the value and importance of how we approach this ministry um, and the attitude with which we approach this ministry, because I think there can be a temptation sometimes in church circles um, for us to think we are here and we are maybe wealthier and these folks are there and they are poorer and so we need to go over there and come to the rescue. So why don't you talk to us a little bit about the spiritual posture that you've been cultivating amongst our leaders as we think about ministering in this neighborhood well. Yeah, sure. I'd love to, Rob. In fact, I'll use sort of a smorgasbord of Bible-based ideas to frame our conversation about community outreach today. And I'll start with this one. You know, as followers of Jesus, we come at this rich, poor, wealthy wealth poverty conversation in a really a completely different way in a way that goes way beyond a conversation about money and things i think the moment you go down that road of we are rich they are poor you're already using language that divides the church in a way that i certainly think is contrary to what we see in scripture there's a book written by two guys steve corbett and brian fickert that can help us look at things in a better way It's up there on the screen, uh, When Helping Hurts, or as it's been recently retitled, Helping Without Hurting. By the way, we have copies of this book in our church library, so if anyone's looking for a real challenging read, feel free to check it out. Uh, So Corbett and Fickert talk about the biblical ideal of shalom, the fact that God designed human beings, you and me, to know spiritual peace in our hearts by experiencing healthy relationships with God, with myself, with other people, and with the world around you and me both. Spiritual peace, shalom, flows out of a life-giving integration of all these. In other words, we know that we are experiencing shalom when you and I can honestly say, yeah, things really are well with my soul because my relationship with God is life-giving and I'm deeply content in my relationship with myself because I know I'm made in God's image and that alone gives me value and worth 
And I'm also experiencing real blessing through my relationships with other people. They fill my life with love and joy. And together, you and I, with God's help, are really making a difference, turning this world into a little piece of heaven on earth. In other words, these two guides, Corbett and Fickard, want us to understand that from the Bible's point of view, conversations about wealth and poverty must be viewed through the lens of shalom. For us as Jesus followers, wealth isn't really about money and things in the nicest car and the fanciest house. No true wealth is that moment when you know deep in your bones that life is good because all the relationships that define your life are bringing you blessing and contentment. And true poverty isn't really about income assistance and struggling to pay the rent and put food on the table. No, it's that moment when you and I realize that there's an absence of shalom in some way in our lives. In other words, from the Bible's point of view, we all are poor in one way or another because none of us are experiencing the full blessing of shalom because none of us know deeply contented spiritual peace in our lives. Why? Well, because the fall really happened. That story about Adam and Eve in the garden when things go south and sin enters the world, well, we are all living with the fallout of that, pun intended. Every single one of us, every day, deals with the fact that our relationship with God, with myself, with other people, and with the world around us is broken in some way. There are gaps in our experience of shalom because of sin, which means that we are all poverty-stricken. We are all poor. That's where we start, and it changes the equation of how we relate to each other. I love that um, our theology shapes our approach to ministry. Um, that's so important. And I hope that you caught that John just said that we are all poor. Mm -hmm. Feel free to email him at John Knight at... Uh, <laughs> I think that's challenging um, for us to hear. It's challenging for me to hear. But let's take this a little bit further. Um, because if we're willing to be honest, um, I think we'd say that the pandemic has revealed a poverty in all of our lives too. Mm. I think for some people, the pandemic revealed a real spiritual poverty that my faith wasn't as strong as I thought it was. Mm. I'm not really able to care for myself spiritually on my own when I can't go to service or be with other Christians. And that kind of led to a season where God felt absent and people were deeply discouraged. And I had numbers of conversations with people who really felt spiritually lost uh, during the pandemic and with a real sense of spiritual poverty. Right, and I agree with you, Rob, to which I would add that there were times in the past two years when I personally experienced a poverty of spiritual intimacy with God. And in contrast, there were people I had contact with, people who, with very limited income whom the world would classify as poor, who weathered the pandemic better because of their rich faith. They lived out of a wealth of spiritual intimacy with God. You know, quite honestly, I think the pandemic offered many teachable moments for us all, uh, revealing things we need to work on to more fully experience God's peace in our lives. And yet another example would be the fact that some people discovered in the past two years that they are actually struggling with a healthy sense of self. Take, for instance, my friends in the Old North End and Crescent Valley. You know, they are great people, compassionate, funny, insightful, capable but many of them are dealing with some real emotional struggles that are both the cause and the result of the difficult circumstances they experience every day. 
Yes, they might experience poverty in real and practical terms, limited education, few job opportunities, not much money, and our ministries certainly try to be helpful and encouraging with people around all these. But my friends struggle even more so with not feeling very good about themselves, frankly. I'm a loser, I'll never amount to much, is the motto that many people in the old North End and Crescent Valley live by. It's what their self-awareness looks like. And it's also the message, quite honestly, that they often receive back from other people. So when the pandemic came along and they were completely isolated, alone with their own thoughts and cut off from personal encouragement from other people, well, for some of them, it was just a really tough season. And I think that that's something that we all share in common, that right. in this past two years, yeah. um, you know, we all realize that things aren't as great as we'd want them to be. Some of us struggled emotionally. Um, I think for some people, the pandemic revealed the real poverty in relationships, whether it was in marriages or relationships with kids or with friends or even uh, people here in the congregation. Um, and then let's just add into that there was about 17,000 things to have an opinion on and to fight about. Mm -hmm. And I'm right and you're wrong and my opinion counts and your opinion doesn't count. There was all of that right. thrown in there too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I think bottom line, Rob, I, I, I think it's fair to say that we are all on the journey towards a full experience of God's shalom. But we're not there yet. We all are poor. We all are broken just in different ways. And we each come in our mutual brokenness to the cross of Jesus Christ to be redeemed and put back together again so that we can indeed fully experience God's peace in our lives. So you've captured the importance of kind of a spiritual posture of humility, which can be a challenge or kind of a difficult place to get to for some of us. Mm. Um, and I think we need to really guard against spiritual pride too, which I think is another form of poverty. I think it's easy, and I'll speak for myself, um, to have an unhealthy sense of self, to have a higher opinion of ourselves. Um, we misjudge what's really needed. And, you know, we would never say this in public, but we can get a little bit of a God complex as well. Yeah. Um, I know exactly what these people need, and if they'll just do what I tell them to do or do what I did or do how right. I want them to do it, then their life is going to be great. And if we're operating from a God complex... I think we can easily turn people into projects mm. or their problems now to be solved. Mm. And we start directing our time and our energy into problem solving, um, making plans, trying to, to fix somebody. And we miss getting to know them as a person mm. and to discover that they are our neighbors and to meet them as a, as a human being. And I guess I'm just wondering, you know, is there a better way? And do the scriptures speak to how it is that we relate to people that God has called us to serve? Well, I think, Rob, if there's anything I've learned over the years, it's this. We need to, we really do need to check our God complexes at the door and simply recognize that the work we are called to in community outreach is really actually God's work, not ours. And that any change that will actually come about in people's lives really won't happen through our own efforts, but through the transforming work of the Holy Spirit. So our job is basically to create a sacred space in which God can work to bring change. And then we just join God in what he's already up to. And I think there are two important ways that we can go about this more effectively. And the first way is this. We need to learn to see people with God's eyes. 
You know, a few years ago, I had the privilege of hearing the late Rick Tobias speak. He's a St. John boy who became executive director of Young Street Mission in Toronto. And he was one of the preeminent thinkers and practitioners in North America on how to do ministry among the forgotten, among people pushed to the margins of life. So in his talk, Rick took us all back to Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, to that moment when the first man and first woman were created. Then God said, let us make humans in our image according to our likeness. And the point that Rick was making is this. When we look at the people with whom we engage in ministry, we must first see them as God does, as his creation, as good and beautiful just as they are because they're made in the very image of God. But of course, the fall happens, sin gets in the way, and the story of human beings goes sideways. But then Jesus arrives on the scene, God in flesh and blood. And what happens in that moment at the cross as we receive the gift of salvation and shalom takes hold in our lives? Well, we become, in the Apostle Paul's words, a new creation, 2 Corinthians 5.17. God now sees us as a brand new person who is restored to that original perfect creation state. Made in God's image at creation, good and perfect and beautiful, restored to God's image through Jesus, good and perfect and beautiful. That's how we should see our friends in the old North End and Crescent Valley, as people who are beautiful in God's sight because they carry something of the character, the image, the new life of God inside them. And for that matter, that's how we should see ourselves too. Because in God's world of shalom, none of us are projects. No, we are people made and restored to the very image of God. And I think, John, that is a game changer in terms of as we think, both as a congregation as, and as volunteers, about entering into really any ministry, but this ministry in particular, to, be, to think about approaching it respectfully, even reverentially, um, that the posture matters so much. And probably maybe even to the surprise of people who volunteer in community outreach work, that they build relationships with the people that they serve. They become friends with them, and they start journeying with them through life uh, together. Right. Yeah, yeah. And, that's, and, and I think, again, the Bible can be our guide with this. Uh, you know, I, I really do think it's, it's important that we take to heart what I said a while ago. The fact that some of our friends in the old North End and Crescent Valley struggle mightily with who they are as a person which means that we are called into a form of ministry that is founded upon being present with them for the long haul, whatever that looks like, through the good, the bad, and the ugly. Or to put it another way, and this is the second thing I want to bring, bring up, we need to practice an incarnate ministry among the people God calls us to serve. The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. That's how the late Eugene Peterson renders John chapter 1, verse 14 in the message. And it's a reminder that God took on human form, came in flesh and blood in Jesus Christ, and he made our world his home. He hung out with us in all our goodness and in all our sin, and he showed us the way. And in that, I think we see an important lesson for community outreach. We also are called to do flesh and blood ministry among our friends in the neighborhood, just as Jesus did, to journey with them as they unpack their lives and move towards faith in Jesus, struggling their way through life at times, 
just managing to put one foot in front of another. And as we journey with them, we take time to encourage them in the good moments, to celebrate small gains, the tiny changes in character, the inch-by-inch steps towards improving their circumstances, knowing that these are all signs of God's unfolding work of shalom in their lives. And sometimes from a place of trust that we earn by just hanging out with them for a good long while. We give our friends a bit more of a nudge or a kick in the backside to keep on keeping on. But we also try our best to practice patience and grace, just as Jesus does with us. When there are bumps in the road, we trust that the Holy Spirit is working and growing them on God's schedule, not ours. That's how we go about things. We come alongside people just as Jesus did and then patiently journey with them as friends, as sisters and brothers in the faith even, gently encouraging them along the way and always trusting God to take the lead. So this is not about us coming to fix problems. Um, This is not about one-off events where we just drive by and throw a bunch of goods out the window and take a picture of ourselves and make ourselves feel better because we're doing something. Um, This is really about patient work walking with people who are equals and are friends. Mm. Um, Being present to people in a Christ-like way um, and really building friendships and relationships for a lifetime. Right, right. It's all those things and more, Rob, but I I don't want to leave the impression that it's tough work with little hope. Uh, Because, you know, I I think the reality is quite the opposite. There are moments of real joy. If we approach ministry as I've just described, it does create a sacred space in which God can work. Great things can happen. And we've seen this over the years. Our friends have grown into a reconciling faith in Jesus and have entered into that new creation experience that we all enjoy as Jesus followers. So that they are now, just like you and me, fellow believers, brothers and sisters in Jesus, who are, as the Apostle Paul spells out in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, equally, and I emphasize equally, equipped and empowered and gifted by the Holy Spirit for work and service within the body of Christ. And if you look at what's gone on at River Cross, that's what's happened over the past 20 years. And the slide on the screen is just kind of representative of that. We have people who came to River Cross Mission years ago just to benefit from our programs and events who now play supportive roles and key leadership roles in the work. We have people from the Old North End and Crescent Valley. In fact, we make it a point of policy to do this who serve on our church's community outreach board. We also have people who serve as greeters and ushers and deacons and I could go on. All of them fellow believers who are gifted and empowered for work in this and, and service in the church, just like you and me.